It is indeed a, a, a great privilege for me to be with you at Faith PCA this morning. Uh, I'm thankful for your prayers and support for my family, and uh, as well as for the seminary itself in Ukraine. Um, we're, I'm not going to speak about the, the seminary this morning, other than to say we're a confessional reformed seminary involved in the training of uh, ministers of the gospel for the reformed and Presbyterian churches, not just in Ukraine, but also for some of the surrounding countries like Belarus as well. Uh, we covet your prayers as well, and if you'd like to find out more, please speak to me afterwards or contact the church office to get my contact information. But as we approach the uh, reading and then the preaching of God's word, I want to begin by asking a few questions. First of all, I'd like to simply ask you how you're feeling this morning. And more specifically, when the last time was that you really felt scared, uh, apprehensive. When I asked my colleague some time ago, who's a pastor in the south of Ukraine in Odessa, in the Presbyterian church there, when I asked him what the churches here should pray for, he said, at least back then, this was some months ago, for God to help the people overcome fear and panic. Last year in Kiev, virtually all the people from our various Presbyterian Reformed churches were, were still there on February the 24th when Russia furthered their invasion of Ukraine. U.S. intelligence had correctly predicted that since the previous fall that the Russian plan was to circle and cut off Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, which was, which was exactly what we began to see play out. As the Russian troops quickly approached Kiev, they tried to surround it. Now, the people of Kiev by that point knew well about the lack of regard uh, for human life of the Russian troops. They had seen the atrocities committed in southeastern Ukraine, which had been invaded by Russia some eight years before. They also knew that the whole world, including the U.S., expected the Russians to be successful if they did go ahead with the invasion. All over Ukraine today, people are going to bed uh, actually not too far from, from, from the present time, as it's given the time difference. They're going to bed to the sound of air raid sirens, warning of incoming missiles. Or they're hearing missiles or even artillery closer to the front, loud artillery fire. It's not, it's not the same as on TV, though we've all watched the World War II movies, if not others. When I was there in May, at 4 a.m. on the night before my last day of lecturing, I was woken up by the air raid siren. About two minutes later, I heard the, the faint whoosh of the air defense missiles being released. And then sometime later, I'm not sure how many seconds or minutes passed, but uh, there was this incredible deafening explosion that literally shook our house as the mercifully the air defense weapons did their did their job when i was there in september more recently uh, just a few weeks ago and just to give one example of many at 
strategic Russian bombers took off from, from Belarus, which is just a very short distance to the north of Kiev. And 20 ballistic missiles were fired at uh, Kiev. Our seminary building has often been shaken. We've had colleagues during our teaching modules live in the seminary building, even in the basement, and still in the depths of our basement feel the building, the entire building shake. Out of the thousands upon thousands of missiles that the Russians have fired at Ukraine, some 70% of them have hit civilian buildings, in many cases, people's homes or apartment buildings. Now I pray that you, that none of you face the same terror as many of your brothers and sisters in the Ukrainian Presbyterian churches right now. But I also realize that, that 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 does not mean that you yourselves do not have your own very real fears and anxieties. Whatever they may be, and it doesn't make those fears less real. They may be related to your work, to the recent very significant, our own family has been shocked, uh, increases in the cost of living here. It may be something connected to a family or a um, another relationship that's giving you worry. You may be anxious about the very aggressive gender identity politics and that seems to have invaded our education system. One of the privileges of living in somewhere like Ukraine. It's not so affected, but, um, but, but some of you, especially those of you who have school-aged children, may feel real anxiety there as you feel almost at hostage to what's happening in the schools. There are many anxieties, political and otherwise, that make us restless or anxious. But brothers and sisters and friends, there, there's a song that all of us need to hear at times of fear and anxiety. It's a song that brings comfort and assurance and it reminds us who is really in charge at a time when the news is often dominated by the actions of an imperialistic dictator. The song is Psalm 46, which is our sermon passage this morning. As we get ready to read it, let us first turn to God in prayer. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you so much that in this, your day, we can gather together as your people to read your word. And our prayer is that you would use your word to shape and mold and encourage and comfort our hearts. We thank you, Father, that your word is truth. We pray that you would have your way with us as we hear it and as your spirit um, applies it to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, our sermon passage is Psalm 46. I'd ask you to open up your pew Bibles, or I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. Either way, I'd ask you to follow along. And I would remind you that this is God's holy and inerrant word. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. And thus far the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Please keep the passage open before you always keep a check on the preacher. In verses 6 to 11, the context of this psalm seems to refer to war. Although verse 1 simply refers to trouble more generally. Few things are more unsettling than war. But potentially, one of them would be this. Imagine if the ground below you began to shake. Or even collapse, verse 2a. Though the earth gives way. Now, I don't live in a place where earthquakes happen. And I've never lived in such a place. But, but can you imagine it? The psychological shock. We all know well the phrase to stand on solid ground. There's some danger at sea or even in the air in an airplane. And I've been spent too many hours this year in an airplane. There's some danger there. There's also some places on earth that are unpredictable. Swamps, quicksands. We know that. But generally speaking, what could be safer than standing in solid ground? We take it for granted every day long, all day long. But what if it began to move so violently that you fell down and you couldn't get up again? What if holes began to open up around you and there was nowhere safe to run? You would be in panic. You would fear for your life. Or look at verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam. The sea can be dangerous. Even when things are calm. I'm sure you know that better than most here in Myrtle Beach. Even on Friday I saw some of the, the beach advisory warnings on, come in on my computer. As, they, as the bad weather came in. But as we 
As we all know, if you were, if you were in a small boat during a bad storm, you would, you would really be in danger. And sometimes the waves are even bigger. They can become vertical, as they would, of course, if the mountains literally fell, moved into the heart of the sea. My wife Sarah's from Washington State. Last summer we were on the West Coast. We were driving down from preaching in a church in Vancouver, British Columbia, to McMinnville, Oregon, uh, to preach at Bill Wilton's church, who's now the executive director of, of Item. So driving down Route 101 from uh, Vancouver and then from Seattle to Oregon in the summer of last year, I noticed all the tsunami evacuation route signs. There were signs everywhere, every mile or so. Now probably some of you remember, it's a long time ago, uh, the, the younger amongst you won't remember it, but uh, some of you probably remember the news of the tsunami that occurred in the Indian Ocean back in 2004. The, meter, the, the, the waves, the height of the waves was up to 30 meters tall. Um, I probably should have converted that into feet, but uh, it's, it's, it's high. Um, tragically, some 230,000 people lost their lives in that tsunami. The situation described in Psalm 46 is incredibly frightening, but also dangerous. And then there's also different circumstances later in the psalm, just as frightening, but right now just as relevant, especially if you're in Ukraine or, or, or Israel right now. There's no doubt that in the midst of the outrageous dangers and atrocities committed against them, the Ukrainians have especially found the Psalms to be of special help and relevance. War. Verse 6. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. There's, there's, nothing, no, there's nothing in the psalm that helps tie it to a specific event in the history of Israel. And I think that's not, I think that's no accident. I think that's the point here. Here, this particular psalm, here is a psalm that's relevant and helpful in various frightening circumstances in the life of God's people in Israel. Here's a psalm that's relevant and helpful in various frightening circumstances in the life of God's people today. If there are any doubts that verse 6 is talking about war, then when we come to verse 9, these completely disappear. Where he says he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the chariots with fire. But verse 6, the nations rage. Again, the, the raging speech of a Dictator on March 21st, just days, or, 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 sorry, on February 21st, just days uh, before the full-scale invasion last year, declaring war on the very idea that, that Ukraine as a country has the right to exist. The nation's rage, the declaration of Russian state media of the so-called, quote, final solution with regard to Ukraine. And the stated goal of the destruction of her statehood and the genocide of her people. The nation's rage. Cities attacked all over this huge country with fighter jets and 
tanks and missiles. So the circumstances, the troubles described in the, the psalm are similar today, and of course, they're relevant to you in a different way than they are from your brothers and sisters in Ukraine. But your, again, your anxieties are also real. So if the reasons for fear are similar today, then what are the answers? If there are any. Now if I told you that God is the answer, I suspect you might smile to yourself a little bit and uh, say to yourself, well, of, of course, in Sunday school that's always the correct answer. But in this psalm, in Psalm 46, it really is emphasized that God himself, in the most direct way, he is the answer for you and for me in the context of tension or fear or danger. In verses 2 to 3, we saw the natural dangers of the earthquake and perhaps a tsunami, the hypothetical situation of the the mountains falling into the sea. And the psalmist says that in all these circumstances, even if that happens, if the mountains fall into the sea, we will not be afraid. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear. Why? Verse 1 already told us, God is a refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. I think it was about mid-January of last year when the city administration of Kiev published a map, an electronic map uh, for your smartphone of the, of the bomb shelters in Kiev. Uh, unfortunately, when a, a correspondent of the BBC tried to use this map to actually find them and see if there was real access to them, the first two didn't seem to offer much hope. Uh, the first one she tried turned out to be a clothes store, which was closed and locked at the time that at least she turned up. And then the second one turned out to be in the corner of a building where the, um, uh, the entrance had been hidden and blocked for the past 14 years, according to the owner of the store next door. So it seemed, unfortunately, that not every bomb shelter is a genuine shelter from danger. But imagine, what if your shelter is God himself? That's what the psalmist says. Are you anxious? Run to God. Do you need protection? Run to God. Are you in danger? Seek safety in God himself. Now what about the war in the second half of the psalm? The, the psalmist reminds us that he, that, sorry, that God is in charge. He is the main commander. He is the Lord of hosts. That is literally the Lord of armies. So when the nations rage, all he has to do is open his mouth. Verse 6, he utters his voice, the earth melts. And that's why verse 10 reminds us that it is God who stops wars and can destroy the weapons of war. And it's that he that makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Well, brothers and sisters and friends, we, we need God. 
And we also need his presence. Thankful that our New Testament reading was taken from, from, uh, from the end of Revelation. Because here in verses 4 to 5, it looks forward to that last chapter of the Bible. We, it, it, verses 4 and 5 give us a view of this future New Jerusalem that's described there. Where we get to enjoy the fullness of God's special presence everywhere. No more temple because the special presence of God is now everywhere as these streams are the streams of the Holy Spirit conveying as it were everywhere throughout that new city of Jerusalem the presence of God. God, verse 5, is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of this future New Jerusalem. And isn't this, in a sense, the heart of redemption? The heart of the gospel message is this path which only Christ makes possible, this path of returning into God's presence. After the fall, when man was expelled from Eden, where he had enjoyed the special close presence of God, and, and that's why this vision of the New Jerusalem is so important because nothing is more precious than being with God. Jesus is a savior because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Look at verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. And verse 11 is repeated, the Lord of hosts is with us. Now let me say briefly an important truth, but it's one that Sam doesn't focus on and so... Um, we won't focus on it, but in the context of all scripture, we know that there's a danger that is greater than ballistic missiles or invading heathen armies. And that is the eternal danger from the wrath of God for our sin. And so the presence of God in Christ is only a blessing for sinners like you and me. If you have been forgiven by God. Embracing Christ with faith. Christ, Christ's death on the cross satisfied the wrath of God towards sinners like you and me who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. The, the Lord of hosts is with us. Again, this psalm does not say that God is with the Ukrainian people. It does not say that he is with the people of the United States. It is saying that he is with his people which includes Ukrainians and Russians and Americans, all people who, like Abraham, have believed in God and the Savior Jesus Christ that he has given for sinners like us. But this time is relevant for all who live in frightening circumstances today, even in the midst of war. It reminds us that God is in control. Okay, look at... Verse 5, he's in the midst, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. And then a very interesting phrase, God will help her when morning dawns. Now what does this little phrase mean? Well, I think if I was trying to sell a book or get as many likes as possible on a Facebook post, I would perhaps tell you something like, well, you know, this proves that you need to get up really early every morning. Just like, just look at all the successful billionaires, Mark. Zuckerberg and others who, you know, they get up at 5 a.m. to meditate and plan out the day ahead of them. God will help her when the morning dawns. But 
But no, this is an interesting verse, but for, for different reasons. When does the enemy try to attack you? When does the enemy try to attack you? At the time of greatest surprise. In modern times, that's probably during the night, at the darkest time. But back then, they did not have night vision goggles. And usually the time of attack was at very first light. Just enough to see what you're doing. But just early enough that your enemy is almost certainly still asleep. Even more interesting is that this phrase in the Hebrew, when morning dawns, appears only one other place in the entire scriptures. And that's Exodus 14, verse 27, where it says, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. It's the same phrase in the original. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. You see, God helped at the time when the enemy attacked. God helped and the enemy army of Egypt was destroyed. Now, we do not know the future of the war against Ukraine. But we do know that God has been with his people in Ukraine at the time of attack. The God who is our refuge... The God who never changes. The God who is in charge. He is the one to whom Putin and all other leaders of this world must answer. He is our true shelter. He does not promise that the brave Ukrainians on the, on the front line defending against the invader will not be killed. And several of our students have volunteered to defend their freedom and their land. But you see, this is a promise and a truth that is good even in the face of physical death. Because there's no separation even with the passing of, of this, our physical lives. There is no separation of the believer from the presence of God even then. Now, no one wishes death. No one wants to live under fear. No one seeks that. But facing these things and having every human reason for fear, we have an answer from God in this song. And how we need this sweet melody, the sweet melody of this song, not just in Ukraine, but, but here in Myrtle Beach as well. How we need to hear it. Now, in Kiev or, or other cities in Ukraine where people are often trapped in bomb shelters in the basements of their buildings with, with physically nowhere, nowhere to go, the psalm reminds them that they do have somewhere to go, just as real and just as concrete. But it's also a reminder to us, we too, whatever our anxieties, whatever our fears, there's so much uncertainty for us as well. It tells us that we can run to God our shelter, who gives 100% an eternal protection, even from death itself. Now, what am I talking about here more concretely, just to make sure there's, there's no doubts? 
We're talking about running to God, of course, in prayer. We're talking about crowding out the anxiety, crowding the anxieties out of our minds by filling them with thoughts of the 100% certain reality of God's presence with us. For every anxious thought that we enters our mind, casting our minds more often on the truth that God is a refuge and that God is with us. God is helping now the enemy has appeared. Brothers and sisters and friends, what are your anxieties and fears this morning? They are not greater than our triune God. God is our refuge and he is our help. Therefore, we will not fear. Amen. And may God bless the preaching of his word. Let us bow our heads briefly in prayer. Oh, Father God, we thank you for these truths. We thank you that you are a refuge and our help and we have no reason therefore to fear. But Father, we pray, forgive us for how readily we forget this truth and your promises and the things you have told us about yourself and seek our safety in other things which often, though important, are only a fleeting help and are not an impenetrable bunker or sure refuge that lasts even unto eternity itself. Oh, Father, would you cast our hearts upon yourself with greater trust and a greater sense of your presence with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.